you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. So let's take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 21 to 35. We've got another of the greatest stories ever told by the greatest storyteller that ever lived, that ever told a story, sitting at the feet of Jesus this summer to listen and learn and be changed by these simple but powerful parables that are 2,000 years old. I mean, it's it's kind of remarkable as you just sit under them and allow them to have their way in your life. It's, a, it's remarkable what they will do, um, do in your heart. So let, let's read verses 21 to 35, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused And went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? In anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us today. These amazing parables of Jesus giving us glimpses of your kingdom. And today we pray that your spirit would give us a glimpse into our own lives, our own heart, and that he might empower us to let go, to trust you, and to be free. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Do you know that uh, TV program? Uh, antique Roadshow. You know, it's, it's kind of a fun, uh, surprising sometimes hour of people uh, coming to where they've set up the show and they bring their 
their art and their dishes and their furniture and their sculptures and sometimes, let's be honest, their junk. And they, they lay it before the appraiser, the expert, you know, and they're looking and they're hoping that they're sitting on a small fortune. You know, when, when we watch that kind of regularly, I used to, you know, I, they'd tell the value and I'd be like, sell it. You know, get rid of that thing. You know what I'm talking about. Well, most of the time, the pieces that, you know, they see don't make the show because uh, that would be boring because they're just ordinary kind of things. But every now and then, the expert appraiser will find a distinguishing mark on a piece that gives a nice surprise for the owner. So I got an example of what happens. Here it is. My mother found it in my grandmother's house in Dayton, Ohio, back in around the 1960s when they were settling up their estate. It was up in the attic. Nobody else knew it was there. Do you know who did this chair? Haven't a clue. I've never seen anything like it, and that's why I brought it here. All right, great. Well, let me show you. On the back of the chair, we have a mark, and it's an R with a vertical saw. That's the maker's mark for a very famous arts and crafts maker named Charles Rolfs. No kidding. And Charles Rolfs was a very eccentric man. Unlike a lot of the arts and crafts other makers, he worked only in a studio with himself and a few apprentices. He made all kinds of unusual things, and he really pushed the boundaries of arts and crafts. The whole design is very radical. It was the thought of furniture as sculpture. And this chair, as you can see, really goes a long ways in blurring those boundaries between furniture and art. This chair is worth between eighty dollars and $120,000 at auction. I am not kidding. I am not kidding. I am not kidding. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. Congratulations. a fantastic chair. There's like one of four known in America. You have one of them. That's absolutely amazing. Sell it. <laughs> I mean, you got a chair you can't sit in. <laughs> Isn't it amazing, though, what a maker's mark will do to a piece of furniture at auction? 120000 for that. They did sell it because it was her mother's and she needed the money, so uh, help take care of her in her older years. You know, Jesus is telling us a shocking story today. Uh, but, and it's in response to Peter's question uh, that he asked. But it, it reveals to us that Christians have a distinguishing mark. It's forgiveness. So let's get into it. So Jesus tells this parable in response to Peter's question. Peter comes up to Jesus and he asks him, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times? Now Peter has got to be feeling pretty good about himself here because what he's offered there as an answer is double plus one what the rabbis would say. You know, they would look at Amos and they say how this is how God was forgiving in Amos. He would give forgive three times and then the fourth time was judgment. So man doesn't have to go farther than God does or we shouldn't expect him to. So the rabbis say three times. Peter says seven times? That's three plus three plus one. And Peter re, or, uh, Jesus responds to him, no, 77 times. In some Bibles it says 70 times seven, implying that the kingdom of God has a culture of forgiveness. It's a culture of forgiveness. There is no limit that we should put on it. Now this question that Peter Peter asks gives us a chance to ask a question, what is forgiveness? 
Now, if psychology has an answer, it's not too bad. Forgiveness generally defined is generally defined as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or a group who's harmed you, regardless of whether or not they deserve forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting, and it does not mean condoning or excusing offenses. So, something happens in your life. Somebody does something to you, and you get offended or you get injured in some way. You get angry. You think about this injury. There's pain. There's resentment. There's a demand for for justice. You want things to be set right. You want retribution for your hurt. You want justice because that is what is right. Forgiveness lets all that go. It just lets it all go. It's releasing your grip on the other person and all that was done to you and your need to see it be made right. Forgiveness is difficult. It's a hard thing for us to do. It takes time if what was done to us was a big injury. And so that conscious decision to forgive sometimes has to be made every day, sometimes multiple times a day until it doesn't have to be made anymore because it's done. Forgiveness is a process. It's a process of involving your head and your heart. Author Anne Lamont, she wrote, Forgiveness means it finally becomes unimportant that you hit back. So from what Jesus said, there really isn't any situation or any person where we, as one of his followers, are entitled to withhold forgiveness. Not any person, not any situation. In fact, if you are withholding forgiveness, eventually you're the one that's going to need forgiveness. And especially in here, where we call ourselves family, where we we relate to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Instead, be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So these really, they're not suggestions for us to consider in our way of life, they are commands. For us to follow. They are not instructions to excuse because we've been forgiven. These are footprints laid down by our Savior for us to follow in. We love because he first loved us. Now in God's kingdom, that's the culture that we that we live in. That's the air that we breathe. It's the water that we drink 77 times, 70 times 7, unlimited forgiveness. Why? Because that is who our God is. In Daniel 9.9 it says, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. We have rebelled against him. 
So if you have been forgiven by God because of what Jesus has done on the cross, then you will be known as someone who forgives. It will be your distinguishing mark, proving your authenticity as a believer, setting you apart from the ways of the world when it comes to conflict. Now that might make us feel a little uneasy, maybe even a little convicted. And that might explain why Jesus went on to to tell the parable. (laughs) Uh, Peter, he was talking in hypotheticals here about forgiveness, but but forgiveness is a real-world activity. And so Jesus comes up with a story uh, from the real world. In verses 23 to 27, he describes the act of forgiveness. He says, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to this. So this parable is describing for us, giving us a picture of what God's kingdom is like. He says, the king wants to settle his accounts with his servants. He calls in one of them who had an enormous debt, 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was the largest measurement of weight in their monetary system. And 10,000 is one of those numbers in scriptures that can be a, a symbolic number here. So Jesus, he wants to make the point that what this guy owed was not, it was, he couldn't pay it back. It was so big. But just for fun, a talent would be a measure of gold or silver, which is sold today by the ounce. So if we were to try to get a value for 10,000 talents, we would need to convert talents to ounces. Remember, all math is a story problem after school. Remember that? So a talent's equal to 75 pounds. So now we're talking about 750,000 pounds at 12 ounces per pound. That's nine million ounces of, say, gold. Gold was selling at $1,903 an ounce, so we're talking that this debt is some $17 trillion. It's big. (laughs) North of $17 trillion. Okay, so the man, of course, can't whip out his checkbook and just take care of the debt. And so the king orders that he be sold, his family, all his possessions to get something back on this. The man gets down on his knees and he begs the king for more time to pay, telling us something about his heart. He's a do-it-yourselfer. No matter how much I owe, I'm going to find a way to pay this back. Thinking about $17 trillion? No way for this guy to do that. So the king has pity on the man and decides to give up any repayment and lets him go owing zero. That is the act of forgiveness. So the king was owed. When it was time to settle, the man begs for time to repay, to save his family, to save face. The king takes pity on him and wipes away his debt. Now what we want to realize is that forgiveness is never free. Somebody has to pay. So there's always a price to be paid. In this parable, who paid the price for this man's forgiveness? Who was it? It was the king. He paid $17 trillion by not demanding it be paid back from this guy. And he also didn't demand cents on the dollar. He didn't just demand that this man, his family, all his possessions be sold, let me get something. And he certainly could have done that. He was absolutely in his rights to do that. He wasn't being a mean king. 
but he didn't do it. Forgiveness is never free. If you're going to forgive, it is going to cost you something. It might cost you your right to be right. It might cost you money by not getting repaid. It might cost you your comfort or your security or your reputation or revenge. It might cost you some of that. Forgiveness is never free. But forgiveness always brings freedom. It always brings freedom. See, when you hang on to an offense, it is occupying a space in your head and in your heart. Your mind keeps replaying the offense that has happened you know, to you and your heart keeps feeling the, the pain of the injustice or the injury. And the longer that you hang on to that, you know, the more critical your thinking gets about other people and the harder you get toward others. It is impossible to love in other areas of your life if you are angry and resentful in one part of your life. It's impossible. You know, last Thanksgiving, I hired our missionary, David Taylor, to remodel some bathrooms for my mother-in-law. And uh, I, I didn't want a skilled guy doing unskilled work. And so I thought, I'm the, I need to go gut the bathrooms. You know, I, and so um, I took the week off of Thanksgiving because he was coming on the Monday after Thanksgiving. And I'm like, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do demo day, you know. So I, I got up Monday and I took off there. I'm all excited and it really went great. I was a man on a mission. I had my crowbar. I had my sawzall. I had my hammer. I was down on my hands and knees, ripping up floor. I was carrying out toilets to the dumpster with my bare hands. Home run day. Tuesday roll around, I think I'm ahead of the game. I'm going to get it done today. So as I'm getting dressed, I tweak my back. This is this little spot. You know, it gets mad at me every now and then when I don't treat it right. And so I ended up in the recliner with an ice pack on a diet of ibuprofen. And I'll tell you, I was hopping mad. Because there was work that I could do that I can't get done because of this one little spot that is causing me pain and keeping me prisoner in my recliner for three days, including Thanksgiving. I don't care if it was COVID Thanksgiving. That is exactly how unforgiveness works in your heart. It's exactly how it works. This one little spot is causing you pain and making you mad, and it will hold you down and keep you prisoner and not allow you to do the work that God has for you to do. Rest and relaxation will not help. (laughs) Medication, entertainment, busyness, partying, whatever you're doing to distract you from the pain in your heart, it will not help. Because... You need healing. Healing in your heart. Healing that can only come through an act of forgiveness. 
Jay Evanson, he wrote a story in the Desert Morning News titled, Forgiveness Has the Power to Change the Future. A 19-year-old Ryan Cushing and his friends stole a credit card, and they went on a shopping spree for absolutely no reason. One thing that they got was a 20-pound frozen turkey, which they proceeded to throw out their car window into an oncoming car's windshield driven by 44-year-old Victoria Ruffalo. That ended up in a 10-hour surgery, rebuilding her face, putting in titanium plates that will never be taken out. The prosecutor in Ruffalo's case stated that victims oftentimes feel like no punishment is harsh enough for these kinds of crimes. Death won't even satisfy them. How did Victoria respond? Well, she was primarily concerned with salvaging the life of this 19-year-old. So she wasn't looking for revenge. She was looking for a way to change his life. So instead of demanding the harshest sentence, 25 years in prison, and him getting out with no prospects, no job skills, she demanded a plea bargain. Six months in county jail and a year probation. According to Evanson, what happened in the courtroom is really the remarkable part. Ryan walked over carefully and tentatively to where Victoria was seated. And with tears and in a whisper, he apologized. I am so sorry for what I did to you. And Victoria stood up and she embraced him. And they wept together in the courtroom. And she said, it's okay. I forgive you. I just want you to have the best life that you can have. Now, Victoria, she went on to be an inspirational speaker until her death in 2019. And Ryan went on to be a social worker, working with at-risk youth in New Jersey. Forgiveness always brings freedom. Freedom for the one who is forgiving and freedom for the one who has been forgiven. Now, the rest of the story is going to turn our attention to the place of forgiveness. Jesus begins to describe what happened to the man who was forgiven, who I'm going to begin to call Mr. T. So he leaves the presence of the king. Now somehow, after being forgiven such a big debt, Mr. T, he goes out and he finds a fellow servant, who I'm going to call Mr. D. Mr. D owed him 100 denarii. One denarii would be about the amount a common laborer would earn in a day. So a hundred denarii is about a third of a guy's salary for the whole year. So to make this easy, we'll call it $30,000 a year. Ten grand is what this guy owed Mr. T. Not a small amount, but a drop in the bucket compared to $17 trillion. So Mr. T, he grabs Mr. D and he demands payment. Mr. D pleads in the exact same way that Mr. T had just done in the presence of the king. Have patience and I will pay you. And we know he was sincere in that plea because he could actually repay the debt. Mr. T isn't moved by Mr. D's request. He throws him into prison until he can pay back what he owes. Now, Mr. T's fellow servants who have witnessed all of this, they are shocked. They cannot believe what they're seeing. 
And so they go back to the king and they tell the king what Mr. T is doing. And he can't believe it either. And so he has him summoned back into his presence. And he scolds him, you wicked servant. I forgave you this mountain of debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have shown some mercy to the guy that owed you a pebble? You're going to prison until you can pay it off. Then when we read that and we think about it, Mr. T's behavior is just outright sickening to anybody who would read that. I mean, we know what should have happened, right? Mr. T should have left the presence of the king. He should have gone and found Mr. D, and he should have shared the joy of being forgiven $17 trillion and then let him go without uh, owing him a cent after buying him lunch. That's what should have happened. Why didn't it happen? Because the place of forgiveness is in the heart. It's in the heart. And it's, if it's ever going to show up out here in our lives, it's got to show up in here with God. So Jesus wraps up this story saying, if anyone doesn't forgive people in their life from their heart, God won't be forgiving them either. Now his statement is not making our forgiveness from God contingent on us forgiving others. What it is doing, it is making our forgiving others contingent on our forgiveness from God. So he's just stating the obvious. Forgiven people forgive people. They have received forgiveness in their hearts, and so forgiveness can flow from their heart. That's the difference, from their heart. If forgiveness doesn't show up in their lives, it just means they haven't received it in their hearts. It's a distinguishing mark. Now listen, it's certainly possible to, to forgive from your head. It's certainly possible to do that. And especially, you know, you're here, you're hearing that forgiveness is the maker's mark on a Christian's life. It proves that I'm really a Christian, you know, and God's not going to forgive me if I don't forgive others. So, man, my head's saying, i got to get to work on this. But listen, head forgiveness doesn't do anything for your heart. doesn't do anything. It doesn't set you free. It doesn't restore relationships. It doesn't bring life. People may hear you say, I forgive you. But the way that you interact with them will say something different. And on it will go. It's head forgiveness. We know we should. But Jesus is looking for heart forgiveness. That's what he says there at the end. That's when, that's when it matters. To forgive people from our hearts. That make, that's what makes the difference. And so when it comes to matters of the heart, things are never black and white. I mean, they're never black and white. So listen, this is not a parable to make you question your salvation if you're hurting today and you're struggling to forgive somebody. That's not the purpose of this. This is heart work, and that means this is Holy Spirit work. All right, Holy Spirit work. To make your heart a place where forgiveness can flow from. And so to do that, the only thing that we can do is offer our heart such as it is, to God. And tell him where, I, where you are. Tell him about the pain in your heart because of what happened. Tell him about the anger that you feel. Tell him about what this person did to you. 
Tell him. Be honest with him. And tell him as often as you need to tell him. But while you're telling him, also listen to him. You got to listen to him. Listen, if this is a story about the, the kingdom of God, if this is giving us a picture of the kingdom of God, then we, we need to understand God is the king in the story. And the people who owe him $17 trillion of debt is us because of our sin. And he has every right to punish us with the prison of hell for forever because of what we've done. And when we stand before him after we die, we will not be standing long. We will bow the knee and we will know because we're in his presence. We will know we are guilty people. You know, we will say like Isaiah, not that Isaiah, this Isaiah. We will say, I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe is me. We will know. So we'll bow the knee. We're guilty. We deserve whatever he gives us. But God sees us and he loves us and he has compassion on us and he has actually made a way for the $17 trillion mountain of sin debt to be removed from our lives. But realize our forgiveness with God isn't free. It's not free. Just because he's God, you know, we think, well, he can do anything. I'll just take your sins and throw them away. We're good. No. Why can't he do that? Because he's, he's a perfect judge. He is perfectly righteous. And we would know if we heard about a judge doing that today, we'd be like picketing. Get rid of that guy. He's awful. Well, we're talking about the perfect judge. So justice has to be satisfied when it comes to the sin debt that we have with God. And so our forgiveness with God cost him way more than $17 trillion. It cost him his own son. His own son. Jesus told another parable in Matthew 13, 45 and 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Now, we've heard that taught a lot, that the gospel of the kingdom is like, you know, we're the merchant. When we find the gospel, we get rid of, you know, we'll sell everything to have the gospel. I don't believe that's what that parable is teaching. God is the merchant. And you are the pearl of great price. And he gave everything so he could have you. He sees us. He loves us. We were created by him. We were created to be his child, to worship him, to love him, to know him, to follow him. But we rebelled against our creator. We, we followed our own way. We said, you know, I, I think I know how to do this life better. Or we just say, I don't really, you're, you know, you're, you stay over here, God. I'll do my life and I'll come back when I need you. When we do that, it creates a rift in our relationship at this mountain of sin debt between us and God. And then we will never be able to remove it. We'll never be able to repay this relationship on our own. We just can't do it. But Jesus steps in. And because he was God's son, you know what? He never even had a pebble of sin debt with God. Oh. 
He lived it perfectly. Only one who could do that is the Son of God. So it makes him the perfect one, the only one who could pay the penalty for our sins because he didn't have any penalty for his sins. And that's exactly what he did when he went to the cross. The price of our forgiveness was the blood of the Son of God shed on a cross. So because of Jesus, because of Jesus, God is able to say to us when we stand in his presence, I forgive you. Your $17 trillion is gone. (laughs) For God so loved the world. And who that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's what he did. Now here's the deal. All of those are facts. They're facts. And when you make those facts personal in your life, between you and God, that's how you get the maker's mark on your heart. Believing in Jesus. Believing that his death on the cross, his blood shed, makes us, though our, skin, our sins were like scarlet, makes us whiter than snow. That because of Jesus, he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. It's kind of far. And his mercies are new every morning. And when we come to him every morning and we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins of all wrongdoing. And he cleanses our hearts and makes us free. Every single time. That's amazing love. So the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us understand the weight of this sin in our life, of this $17 trillion. I mean, that's hard to figure out. I was trying to figure out, I wonder how many dollars stacked, I wonder if that would get to the moon and back. I don't know. I didn't do that. Didn't do that math problem. But the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the weight of our sin that gets removed. And he helps us understand the great price that was paid by the best person that ever lived so we could be forgiven. And we can know, we can know that. And when we know that, it makes heart forgiveness possible in our lives for these minor things that are done to us in comparison. That's how you follow in Jesus' footsteps. I mean, that's how people get free. That's how people get life. That's how you can forgive an unfaithful spouse and save a marriage. That's how you can forgive an abuser and move on in your life to trusting relationships again. That is how you can forgive a bully and a betrayer a thief, and a murderer. The one who cuts in front of you in line or the one who disappoints you. Following in Jesus' footsteps. That's how we forgive from the heart. That's how we get heart forgiveness flowing in our lives. Remember your chains and remember 
your chains are gone. Let's have Isaiah back up. Now we're going to spend some time at the Lord's table before we leave today. And this is a meal that Jesus has called us to participate in, to remember how he died, to remember how this $17 trillion mountain of debt has been removed from our lives with God. So it's a special time here that we draw near to God, that we soak in his love, that we thank him for our forgiveness. But you know, we won't be able to really do that unless our heart is free. You know, Jesus said, when you come to the altar, you should think about your life, you know. And he says, if you remember that you're not right with somebody, you know, leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile and then come and offer your gift. So he wouldn't want you to have communion to celebrate your forgiveness if you aren't free. So what's the condition of your heart this morning? I was thinking that maybe there's just four places that you could be. You've been hurt and you won't forgive. You just won't do it. You're you're angry about what happened and you're bitter and you want paybacks. I just encourage you today to listen to Jesus' words. You need God's forgiveness in your heart. You need his forgiveness. Look at the mountain of debt that is between you and God. Look at that and understand how big it is that you'll never be able to move it. Jesus can move that for you today if you would ask him to do that. Believing in him. Trusting that what he did up there removes that. When that happens, it changes your heart. One drop of blood wipes away that mountain. Do you believe in that? He died there so you could have life with God. He was put in a grave, but he didn't stay there. He's alive today, proving that he's the one who can take out a stony, stubborn heart and replace it with a heart of flesh that forgives. He does that. He still does it today. If you won't forgive in your life, Listen to Jesus because you need God's forgiveness in your heart. A second place you might be today is you feel like you can't forgive. It's a different place. You know, you know God wants you to, but you just can't let go what has happened. You know, you're, you're weak, you're wounded, you don't have the strength. You want to want to forgive, but you're just not there. I encourage you to just take it to the Lord in prayer. Take your heart out before him and ask him. Ask him to give you his eyes to see the person that hurts you so you can see them like he sees them. You know, on the cross, he saw the people that were accusing him, that were mocking him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Maybe the person who hurt you doesn't even know what they did. Maybe they can't help what they did because of the way they were loved when they were growing up or something's happened to them and they're carrying around bitterness. We want to ask Jesus to give us eyes to see them like he does as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So be honest with him. 
Lay your heart out before him and listen and let him lead you toward forgiveness. A third possibility is you're trying to forgive. You're trying to forgive. Did you know this? That if you're trying to forgive, you're forgiving. You know? If you're trying to forgive, you're forgiving. Today, ask God to help you get free. You know, ask him. You just keep bringing to him the hurt and ask him to take it. Bring the person who hurt you. Ask him to do whatever that he needs to do in their life. Say, I'm tired of carrying this, God. I'm trying to forgive. I want to let it go. Ask, ask him to help you get free today. He'll help you. And the fourth possibility is you're here today and your heart is free. You know, you've forgiven everybody that needs forgiven and you've gone to people to ask for forgiveness. That's the other side of the coin. That's part of it too. And I've been praying today that every one of us could leave here today with a, a heart that is free. It, 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 we could get there. You know what would happen in this place? Oh my goodness, this would be a place of life and light, of love. It is possible. Are you willing? Are you trying? God will help us. It is ex- exactly what He wants to do today in our lives. He wants to set us free. Do you know His forgiveness? You know it. If there is anyone today who just won't forgive, I'm telling you, turn your eyes upon Jesus and believe in him and receive God's forgiveness.